Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello, welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online. Uh, I'm Ben James and I'm joined by Matthew Southcombe out in Rome uh, to look back over Wales' win in Italy. Um, So yeah, Matt, first of all, how's Rome? Yeah, great, mate. It's a bit... um... It's bit. Uh, it's been quite lovely the last few days, but it's gone a bit colder today. But yeah, we uh, haven't seen much of the much of the city today. I'll be honest, Ben. Checking out of the hotel, getting some breakfast down. So I'm sat in the uh, hotel bar now, waiting for the uh, the uh, flight home. But um, yeah, lots to talk about. Lots to talk about after last night. Not a convincing performance, but uh, yeah, lots of talking points for us. Absolutely. Um, so we'll start. Let's let's start. First of all, let's start. You know, it's it's, it's a, a win is a win. Uh, Eleven wins. Um, should Wales be disappointed that there's no bonus point? I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, it was obviously a far from polished performance from Wales, and, and I think everybody accepts that. But I'm not really sure it matters too much. Um, look, they made ten changes. Um, there's always a risk that you're going to produce a performance like that after making such wholesale changes to the start inside. Um, you thought it might come off because they did have enough quality in behind to, to cause Italy problems, but I really don't think Italy have got as, as much credit as they deserve uh, in the aftermath of that. Everybody's sort of turning on Wales a little bit. Uh, Conor O'Shea got quite spiky in his press conference last night when someone put it to him that Wales weren't very good. Um, he said something along the lines of, it's, it's, it's funny that whenever Italy do something well, it's always because the other team weren't very good. Um, and he's, he's probably got a point in that. Um, you know, when, when Wales got quick ball, they looked dangerous and, and, they, and they created opportunities, caused problems. But I thought Italy did a good job of making the mess of a breakdown. Um, Wales got a bit of joy on Italian ball, but they weren't very good at securing their own ball for my, for my money. Um, it was quite slow. You could tell Italy were trying to slow the game down. They were so they were taking ages to get the line out, and I'm surprised referee Reynal uh, let them get away with that. To be honest, um, and I thought Italy defended brilliantly. Gatlin said, like you know, it was the, the best Italian performance he's seen since he took over Wales. Um, and I think they deserve a lot of credit. I thought Tommaso Allen in the probably the last half hour was absolutely superb. Um, at one point, you, you did worry that you might take the game away from Wales. He made a lovely break, obviously, for the try in the second half. Um, threw a lovely wide pass um, that, that nearly came to something and almost picked off Gareth Anscombe's pass as well late on. And a try at that stage would have made it very interesting. So, um, yeah, I thought Italy probably deserved a bit more credit. Um, Wales probably won't be too concerned with that because, you know, they won't they won't be as bad as that in, in two weeks' time when the cavalry returns to the start inside. And, you know, I just think it's, it's good for Gatlin to have looked at the rest of his squad, put them out on the field and, and watched them come through it. Like I say, you know, they faced a bit of adversity but managed to manoeuvre their way through the game. Um, I saw Martin Williams point out last night that, um, you know, Wales had played well in the past and lost and been criticised because it's all about results in international rugby and, now they're winning and we're saying we want the performance. I mean, you know, that's just the way things are with sport and particularly Welsh rugby. But, um, you know, I'm not I'm not overly concerned with the way they performed. Um, would have been nice to see them cut loose, but, you know, such is life. Indeed. Um, so, yeah, talk, talked about uh, Tommaso Allen. Uh, let's move on to the Welsh uh, fly half because that's... Mm. That's always going to be a debate that rages on uh, in Wales. Uh, it was Dan Bigger in the driving seat 
uh, yesterday. Um, not not his finest sort of game for Wales, was it? No, it was um, it was difficult even for for bigger and you know, like you said, the, the Welsh fly off um, jersey is always going to be the most pressurised jersey on the side. Um, you know, it, it just carries a history with it, and and people expect though you know players in those positions to to work magic. Um, bigger will be as disappointed as anyone with with what happened. Um, he was trying. At times, it felt like he was perhaps trying too much. Um, he obviously missed touch with one kick, trying to bite off um, too much distance. You know, I thought the, the, the previous kick to touch was absolutely superb, and you know he's just he's just not struck it right on this sort of hook back in field. Um, he put two kicks out on the full, um, and there was a very very suspect cross kick in his in his own twenty two in the first half that almost resulted in disaster as soon as. As soon as I saw him drop it on the foot, I turned to our old colleague Alex Bywater, who sat next to me, and said, "Crikey, that's bold." And as it turned out, Padovani, I think it was, claimed it. Josh Adams was on his heels a little bit, probably not quite expecting it, and um, and that almost resulted in in uh, points for Italy. Fortunately for Wales, they managed to avert that danger. But yeah, Bigger probably won't be too pleased. I said it before the French game when I saw the the weather and the side that France had picked. That I felt he was probably more suited to that game. And this game was probably more suited to Anscombe. Um, I know, you know, it's not Gatlin's fault. You wouldn't have known what the what side the French were going to pick. And you know, when we saw the weather, that that probably told us all we needed to know. But um, you know, I think I think the fly off is becoming a bit of an issue now because, like like you said, Al, everybody wants to talk about it, and everybody's got an opinion on it. And right now, nobody's nailing it down. Um, it's right up for grabs, and. Now every time somebody puts that jersey on, there's going to be the added pressure of, of having to prove themselves um, because Bigger has got doubters, Anscombe's got doubters. You know, Patchell's probably not going to play against England just purely based on the fact that he hasn't played for so long. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of pressure and the coaches are going to have a bit of a job on their hands now to loosen up whoever's going to be in that shirt when it comes to the England game because we all know that game's going to come with added pressure too. So, um, it's not ideal right now for for the coaching staff that nobody's really sticking their hand up. Um, just trying to preempt the, the next question, which I'm assuming is going to be, who would you pick to face England? Yeah, you know that will come up. But what, what's interesting is um, you sort of think. I think there's been a general consensus that most people would probably expect Dan Bigger to come in against England just because. He's the senior fly half, and that's the that's the big game. So I think there's been a sort of thing, you know, Dan Big will come in. But the way he played yesterday was very much like a man who who, who was trying very hard to win his jersey back. So it, it gives me the impression that maybe mindset-wise, Dan Bigger thinks he's second choice. Yeah, possibly. I mean, but I don't know he's just such a confident bloke that... You know, we we always think these things don't phase them, but at the end of the day, these boys pulling on the jerseys are human as well. Um, so you know, you will have had in the back of his mind the fact that he's under a lot of pressure. He will have wanted to have played well yesterday, um, but yeah, like you said, I, I expect him to be picked for the England game, not not because of the reasons that you mentioned there in terms of him being the more senior fly half, but and it's not really based on form either. I just purely think that the game will suit him more. Like his talents will be more beneficial in that game 
than Anscombe. I just see it being more of a, a tight, abrasive, physical, um, probably not, but, you know, it, it will be entertaining because it will be 100 mile an hour. The collisions will be huge and, and everybody, you know, the atmosphere is going to be phenomenal. But I don't think we're going to see a free-flowing, open, expansive game of rugby. Um, I just think Dan Bigger, will, who has, you know, played in these games many times in the past, um, which is which is worth mentioning because he, you know, the fly half is probably going to have to kick because I can't see Lee Halfpenny coming back for that game unless he gets a game for the Scarlets in this fallow week. But I just can't see it. So whoever plays in that game is going to have to kick. Um, and I know Gareth Anscombe's a very good kicker, um, but that will probably be the most pressurised situation he's been in. Um, you know, in that cauldron atmosphere. So. I don't know. I just think that game suits bigger more, and for that reason, I think he'll he'll um, keep the jersey. But you know, it's, it's not because I think he's in better form or anything like that. I just think that his talents will be more suited to that occasion. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. I also think when we have a stronger team, that would suit bigger. I, I don't think bigger really works that well with the sort of nine and twelve we had playing yesterday. I think the other thing as well is, mate. He, um, I think he had to do a lot more himself just purely because, like I said, the ball wasn't very fast. Um, it was, you know, Italy were getting hands on it. There were bodies. At the ruck was an absolute mess. And he was having to generate a lot of momentum himself. Wales didn't have much, you know, when they, like when I said, when the speed of ball was there and Ali Davis was at the breakdown month and it was away, you know, they got going. But a lot of the time it was slow, it was laboured. Um, he was getting the ball. He was getting static ball. Um, and, you know, I, I think he tried. He had to try and do a lot himself, and I think he felt that. And I think that's why the errors came along. Um, so yeah, I just think the the way the game went, um, he probably tried to take on a bit too much himself, and and in the end, it you know, it just turned into a, a below average performance by his standards. So yeah, mo- moving on to. Scrum half because you know it was a big afternoon for Alan Davis, wasn't it? To sort of mm. sort of prove his worth in the Wales jersey. How do you think he uh, did? Um, difficult one to judge, really. I, there weren't any glaring errors in there or anything like that. But and you know, like I said, the the platform he was given at times was not was not great. Um, I think he did ponder a little bit at times on the ball. Um, you know he. He did kick a lot, but I think that's probably part of their game plan. And you know, on the odd occasion, his kicks were a bit long. Um, made a nice break uh, down the blind side from a scrum uh, in the second half, uh, but uh, it, it wasn't a standout performance. Let's put it that, like that. Um, I I don't think he's done possibly enough to feature against England. Um, so I mean, it depends how you want to judge it. Like I said, it wasn't a it wasn't a terrible performance by many, you know, by any standards. But that, that was a big chance for him to to sort of stake a claim. And I, I guess like bigger, like I said, he just didn't have didn't have the platform to to thrive. And you know, I, I saw he was getting a bit of bit of stick after the match. But on my money, I don't think he was that bad. I just think he didn't have the, the best of ball to work with. Yep. Um, so that leads us quite nicely on to the sort of the pack uh, providing mm. that ball. Speaking 
to Andy on the podcast on Friday, and, and the thing that jumped out for me was looking at that front five. They're all they're all test players in their own right, but none of them really sort of struck me as being leaders. It felt like a lot of sort of second in commands without any real sort of captains, so to speak. You know, you look at Alan Wynn Jones; he's a clear leader. I just didn't think that front five uh, had that, and it, and it seemed to prove to be the case, didn't it, on yesterday? Yeah, I guess it did in the end. Um, I don't think the front five had a particularly great afternoon, um, if I'm being honest. It, you know, the, the, don't get me wrong, the scrums, the scrums were quite good. I was quite surprised to see the, first, the way the first scrum went. I thought they were going to come under a bit of pressure there, but I think Wales won a penalty from the first scrum, and it was pretty, um, pretty dominant. And at times, I don't think they got the joy they deserved out of the referee there. Um, but yeah, they lost four lineouts, which at this level is is unacceptable. And Elliot D is not going to need telling um, that things didn't go particularly well in that facet of the game. You know, like you said, talk about leadership and things like that. There was one one instance I remember after a lost lineout where Adam Beard and and Elliot D looked like they were getting into it a little bit, and Dan Bigger came across and diffused it a little bit. And so yeah, you know, I mean. It's a, it's a pressure environment for these guys and, and they're learning in front of all of us. You know, Elliot D's got a good couple of caps. Adam Beard is, is now getting up there as well. But they are still quite raw at this level, particularly um, in Six Nations, you know, proper full-on competitive Six Nations matches. Um, it is a different kettle of fish to, uh, to summer tours and autumn matches when, you know, there's no points on offer or anything like that. But... Um, so yeah, I think and the other thing, they struggled to impose themselves on the game. Um, Jake Ball was was carrying, um, Samson Lee carried quite well. Um, Mickey Smith got a bit of joy at the breakdown, um, but they, they weren't able to, like I said, just get that go forward and provide the sort of punch that would have opened things up in behind for for the Welsh backs. Um, and yeah, when when you see sort of Alan Wynne Jones coming on. Um, and Ross Moriarty then as we'll come on to the back row and players like that um, was a bit of a bit of comfort and like you know I suppose the beauty of making ten changes is you can bring that sort of experience on off the bench and when Alan Wynn came on things did feel you know you, even if you're a little bit twitchy before he did come on when he came on you just thought right Wales are not going to lose from here now um, there's no way he's going to let that that take place so. Um, yeah, I take your point on on leaders, but I just think in general they they didn't have the, the greatness of afternoons. But I suppose at the end of the day, it's good experience for them. They'll learn from it and and hopefully be, be better in the future because of it. You touched upon the the back row uh, briefly there. Obviously, they, uh, Six Nations debut for Aaron Wainwright and Thomas Young. Uh, Josh Navidia eight. So everyone sort of had uh, something to prove in that back row. How, how, how do you think they fared? Oh, I thought the back row were absolutely outstanding. Um, one of the real positives to come out of that game, um, Josh Navidia was given man of the match. Although I thought his stats were actually quite tame by his lofty standards. Um, he normally gets right up there in the tackle st- stakes, but I don't. I seem to recall him making. I think it was twelve, which is not. I'm, no, I'm not. You know, downplaying that, but he's normally like in the high teens. Um, and if he plays again in, in a fortnight's time, I, I certainly think he will be up in the high teens. Um, but you could have given the man of the match to anyone, any other back back row, to be honest. Um, Wainwright, once again, uh, outstanding. Um, 
really coming of age. Um, and, you know, for such a young lad uh, to be performing like the way he is, um, you know, we all know that three years ago he was playing amateur rugby in division. I think it was three East B or something like that. Um, and and here he is, out a couple of caps under his belt and, and learning all the time. Um, you know, I'm not sure. He may very well be on the bench against England. Um, we'll have to see how it pans out. I think it's going to be between him and Thomas Young. Um, so it'll be interesting to see which way Gatlin goes there. Um, the thing about Thomas Young is uh, it's the first time I've seen him live yesterday and I thought he was absolutely outstanding, like I've never I was very impressed with the way he carried um, he was good in attack um, and he was good in defence I mean, you know, I know that's a very simple way of looking at it and, and he was good at the breakdown, like I said, the Welsh back row did well in slowing down the Italian ball and, and won a few penalties there uh, but yeah, I just thought he was he was good all round um, and a real positive. And I think it's given Gatlin a bit of a headache. You know, the back row is, as we know, well stocked. Um, but the thing, the interesting point with Young is when it comes to England, he plays in the English Premiership, so he's playing against these English forwards and and this English side week in week out. So he's used to the kind of intensity they bring. He's used to dealing with their strengths and trying to exploit their weaknesses. Um, he sees, like I say, he sees them, you know, all the time, and I think that that's that's a point that the coaching staff might want to consider, um, because it's not something, uh, despite Wainwright's obvious qualities, you know, he's not had much experience against these English boys, um, whereas Thomas Young's probably got an advantage in that regard, just purely because he's used to playing at the same intensity as the English pack play week in week out, so. He's probably more used to handling it, um, so I think that whether they, that plays a role in the selection in Fortnite's time, it will be interesting uh, to see what what they do there. Um, because I think the starting back row is is kind of picked itself really in in um, Navidi, Moriarty, and Tipperick. Uh, so that a spot on the bench is going to be really interesting. Yeah, the thing the thing with Tom Young yesterday was, um, and obviously he did play well, but he he, he played. He played uh, out in the wide channels a lot, which mm. you know you'd expect because you're always going to have at least one flank who plays out in the wide channels. And when you've got Wainwright in the VD, who like to play sort of in the tight, Tom Young was always going to be the one who was going to do that. But he is probably better playing in in the tight. So if he's playing with someone like a Tiprick who who will stalk the wide channels, then you've got Tom Young's physicality with the offloading in and around the fringes of the ruck and. It would have been interesting to see sort of that yesterday because, you know, talk about how Wales struggled to break down the Italian defence at times. That, that, that could have been the sort of perfect antidote to it. Yeah, I thought he was good. At, I thought he was good doing what he did. Um, I take your point in terms of the offloads around the, around the tight forwards and things like that. Um, but I didn't realise, but he is, he is quick. Um, and once he... Once he breaks that initial tackle um, there's a real injection of pace there I found that quite exciting there were a couple of occasions of it obviously we, we know he nearly got over for the try and unfortunately that was disallowed and it would have been a great great ending to a, to a great Six Nations debut um, I'm not sure whether or not you can play Tipperick and Thomas Young together I mean I think you can. I, I did. I did a whole piece on it a few weeks ago, and I think he's 
I think he's perfectly suited to play alongside someone like Tip Tiprick. Play Thomas Young at blindside, that I think it would work. Okay, do, in doing that piece, did you see if he'd ever played a blindside before? Uh, he, yeah, he's played he's played that blindside obviously because the Wasps had uh, George Smith. Yeah. For a time at open side and. Okay. Um. Also, he just he 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 is good in the wide channels because obviously because of his pace, but he, he seems to do most of his best work in the narrow channels. Um, either busting through tackles or he, he even runs really good support lines off the ball just in the middle of the field. Yeah. Which well, he knows his way to the try line, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, it isn't it isn't really something you see from sort of too many open sides, and it's you know it'd be interesting to see how he'd work with Tipperick. I I think it could work. Yeah, one of the really things well. I always come, one of the things I always come back to with, with the likes of you know back rowers who like to operate in the wide channels is you've got to do your work in the tight first, um, and I don't think he neglected his job there, um, particularly defensively. Uh, he was brilliant. Um, like I said, he did the did the dirty work at the breakdown, um, and then did some stuff in the wide channels that that, that caught the eye a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I think Wales could have been better at securing their own ball, and that's the only, that's the only sort of disappointing thing maybe from the back row point of view. But everything else was absolutely brilliant, and like I said, you could have given any any one of the man of the match, in my opinion. Absolutely, I think. What else have we got left to touch on? Um, I think really only sort of, I suppose, centres in the back three. Um, Touch quickly on the centres. Um, I suppose a big day for both of them. Uh, John Davis, captain, and Owen Watkin, uh, putting in a solid performance, wasn't it? That sort of yeah cements his place probably as well, a, a definite for the Wales World Cup squad, you'd think. Yeah, I mean, Scott Williams might have something to say about that, but I thought it was quite possibly... Um, just off the top of my head, maybe Watkins' best game in a Wales shirt. Um, you know, I, I've always accused him of not being able to translate his regional form to the international stage. And I think the Welsh management are really desperate for somebody to come and challenge Hadley Parks. And um, yeah, I thought he was good yesterday, um, both, both sides of the ball. Um, again, you know, there was only you could only ever be so good because Wales were trying to play a lot of static ball, um, and that's difficult when you're coming up against a you know a passionate Italian defence who were going to were going to come at you all day, particularly in Rome. Um, you know, Wales always gave them a sniff, so Italy were going to keep coming, um, and they made it difficult for the for the Welsh backs because there was no you know the forwards were struggling to generate momentum. Um, as for John Davis. Uh, yeah, you know, great day for him. First time he's captain Wales. Um, you know, I think he was just relieved afterwards that they'd won. Um, probably, in a personal sense, I'm not sure it was his best game. Um, but you know, I, I think it was just the same, the same across the back line, really. Um, I think everybody just had a sort of, you know, their, their performance lingered around the average or just below average. Um, and you know, there, there was that one example where in the first half where. He threw the miss pass to Jonah Holmes in the Italy 22 when one of the few occasions where Wales were getting clean ball in that passage. And, you know, if he almost looked in two minds when he caught the ball, stuttered, and Liam Williams was hearing into the line um, from fullback. 
And I think if a ball had just gone to Williams, then the, the pace that he was coming at, I don't think the scramble defence would have had a chance to get across, um, especially with Holmes on his shoulder as well. Uh, one of the two of them would have likely scored, but threw the miss pass out to Holmes, who took it standing still, um, and then had to try and bounce his way over because the, the Italians came across. So, you know, I'm not sure it was his his greatest night um, in that regard, but, you know, I thought he, he, he acquitted himself reasonably well as a captain. Um, and, yeah, you know, it's just a, a great occasion and achievement for him. Yeah, and, and then the back, back three... Um... Obviously, you say that it was it wasn't a great night for the backs, and we probably saw most of Josh Adams' uh, best moments came from sort of broken play, wasn't it? Sort of you know, kick yeah. a turn here or just finding a bit of space. That seemed that seemed to be the only sort of time Wales's back three ever really sort of got involved. Yeah, I mean they used um, they used Jonah Holmes a lot. Um... They carried up off first phase from lineouts and scrums, kind of like the same way they use George North. Um, he's either taking it off the scrum half or he's taking it off the fly half just to truck it up. Um, I thought he carried well. Um, I thought Holmes played, you know, in general played quite well, um, given the experience there um, and you know his first first sort of Six Nations game and all that the stuff that comes with that. But I thought in general. Uh, you can be pretty happy with with his night's work, even if he didn't perhaps bust out like we were hoping the backline would. Um, Josh Adams, like you said, some of the best stuff he did was counter attacking. Uh, took his try obviously well, um, and yeah, I think he's probably nailing down that that second wing spot now. Um, you know, he, he will not need to be told about the the kick that led to the Italian try. Um, Took a box kick under no pressure, sliced his clearance kick horribly straight into the arms of Esposito on the far wing, who I thought was actually had a good game as well. They were mentioned to Marcel Allen. Um, Wales gave away a penalty, they were scrambling, gave away a penalty. Allen kicked to the corner and it led to the try. Um, Adams probably needs to hold his hands up to that and he probably has. Um, so that was the only sort of blot on his copy book. And then Liam Williams. Did did his his stuff in in terms of counter attacking some nice runs. Um, never really looked uncomfortable or anything like that. Um, again, probably didn't influence the game as much as he would have liked. But um, I can just I can fully see him starting against against England in a fortnight's time in that same jersey. Just because, like I said, I don't think Lee Halfpenny is is quite ready. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone's really emerged as a sort of challenger. Either of they to the fullback spot, apart from Liam, you know, you look at the sort of other fullback options in that squad. I mean, you've got Hal Amos, who got off the bench yesterday, but he's been, hasn't really played a great deal of rugby for Wales since the last summer. Jonah Holmes can play fullback, but yeah, I think Liam's nailed down, isn't he, at the minute? Yeah, he will be. Um, you know, he, he's getting a run in that shirt now, and he, you know, he's happy about that. He, he said before. Um, it's a position he wants to play, and he, he said it again before the game on. He said it to us in the press this week. Um, so yeah, I think he's nailed on for that. Um, you know, I think it's going to come too soon for Lee Halfpenny. Just the fact we haven't seen him, he's not been out here with the squad, so he obviously wasn't considered at all. Um, so yeah, I think the game's going to come too soon for Halfpenny. But I've got absolutely you know 
why would you be concerned? Liam Williams is is an absolute world class operator, so you know we're quite fortunate in that regard. Um, you know, the only thing you lose with Halfpenny is his kicking, but you know Dan Biggers emerged as a world class goal kicker. Anscombe is 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 very good as well, um, and has done it at the top level too. So. You know, not not particularly concerned there, um, but Liam's definitely uh, nailing down that 15 jersey at the moment. Okay, uh, final thing uh, for today's podcast, and it's something that sort of I see a lot of people sort of saying after the match yesterday is that Wales don't look like Six Nations championship contenders. They don't look like a t- team capable of winning this tournament. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because, you know, two from two. Well, clearly that clearly the side that played yesterday, you know, is this has been a, a very much a squad. Um, you know, the first two games they've used a squad of thirty-one. Clearly, the side that they put out yesterday wouldn't win the Six Nations, but they weren't trying to win the Six Nations yesterday. They were playing against Italy. Wales's Wales's first choice fifteen, when fully fit and firing, is capable of winning the Six Nations. You know, they were. We all know how bad they were against France in that first half, but we also all know that Wales are typically poor in the first match. And and Gatlin says it, and he's bang on, they get better the longer they spend together. Wales were experimenting against Italy. I'm not, I'm not going to get hung up on, on what happened yesterday just because they, they made 10 changes, they were using their squad, they weren't, you know, like Gatlin said, it, if there wasn't a World Cup this year, they probably wouldn't have made those changes and they would have probably kept a couple of couple more first-team players in there and they would have probably beaten Italy by about 30-odd points. But, you know, what would he have learned? In, you know, there's a bigger picture this year and I think that's getting lost on a few people. Wales are going to go up, I have absolutely no doubt, three or four levels to face England. You know, the cavalry is going to return. Um, they're going to have had another two weeks together in camp. And obviously, everybody's game is going to be lifted a couple of notches because it's England and it's in Cardiff at the Principality Stadium. Um, so I know the first two games have been um, stuttering and they haven't really hit their stride. But there's a lot to be said for the way they came back in Paris. And there's a lot to be said for the fact that the second-choice team has just beaten uh, a first-choice Six Nations team. I know... I know we'd all love to see them playing better, um, but you know, like I said, Wales are typically poor in the first game, so you can you can mark that off that way. Then they made ten changes and put their second team out against Italy, and still won. So I'm not too concerned about that. You know, now let's see, let's see first of all what England do against France, because um, we know that's kicking off later on today. You know, England were brilliant against. Ireland, right? Absolutely fantastic. Um, but let's see how they back that up, right? I think I've seen Lawrence Delalio say today that there's the biggest threat to England is a hangover from that game, and I think that's a very good point. Um, and you know, let's let's just wait and see what happens with England uh, today. But from a Welsh perspective, I, I think for people to be saying that they they don't look like Six Nations contenders, it's probably fair based on what we've seen, if you know what I mean. But like I said, the 15 that went out against Italy wouldn't win the Six Nations, but they made 10 changes. I think Wales' best 15 can win the Six Nations. Um, and I think it's going to be set up absolutely brilliantly. 
and we've got two weeks to build up to it. That huge game in Cardiff in, in two weeks' time. It's going to be fun, isn't it? I think it is going to be fun. Before before the Six Nations, people were sort of saying that you know Wales are no longer under the radar uh, going into the Six Nations and World Cup because they're winning a run. Possibly these two performances just maybe sort of put them back, you know, take them off the radar again slightly and just make them slight underdogs for England, which, you know, they'll love that being no one's talking them up, everyone's talking England up. That that that's that's the dream scenario for Gatland, isn't it? Oh yeah, he said as much in his press conference yesterday and you know, Wales I think would always prefer to be written off. Um and they will be underdogs. Um, heading into that one, like I said, we'll we'll see what England do against France, but chances are they're going to be underdogs going into this, and that will be like, like you said, Gatlin and the Wales camp will absolutely love that because they can develop that siege mentality. Nobody backs us, nobody thinks we're good enough, um, and that is just that. That's the perfect scenario for for Gatlin. Um, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not getting too worried about it. Or well, Wales probably will go under the radar slightly, given the way things have started. But we've got that typical slow start out of the way against France, and and we've won in Paris. Then we've gone to Rome with our second team, uh, and beaten Italy. Um, now, now we really do have to turn up uh, in two weeks' time. And I think after, well, probably quite obviously, we will all know for sure after the England game, whether or not this side is capable of winning the Six Nations. And it's, you know, it's an absolute mouth-watering prospect, that, that England game in two weeks' time. Got it all to look forward to, haven't we, Matt? Absolutely. Right. Well, that's all for today's podcast. I'll let you uh, catch your flight home. Thank you very much. After your nice week away. <laughs> so that's all for the podcast for today. Um, for all the build-up to the England match and it will start now the next two weeks are going to be absolutely massive you can catch it all on Wales Online